411-LIVE. Where you can learn about issues that affect us every day. Stay the world. 411-LIVE. Real people, real talk. Made to help people in our community in every way. For your girl. 411-LIVE. Hello. And welcome to the 411 Live, Real People, Real Talk. I'm Beverly Taylor. We're doing things a little different this time. Uh, Normally, we focus on human trafficking, specifically sex trafficking, bringing awareness to this problem and expanding the conversation around it. Well, today we are, you know, veering away from that subject to talk about a subject that most people are talking about these days, that being the coronavirus. Now, public awareness, uh, a campaign was started. It was launched in Milwaukee on March 26th about coronavirus symptoms and prevention, and it was focused on African-Americans. Why? Well, what they have found is the number of confirmed cases of the virus are clustered on the north side of Milwaukee. They want to know why that is. In fact, of those who have died, and the last time that I checked, Um, In Milwaukee, it was seven, and they were African-Americans. Now, as of March 27th, the city had 357 confirmed coronavirus cases, seven deaths. But to be clear, the virus affects all all sectors, all parts of the city, uh, not just the north side. But the thing of it is, there's a cluster on the north side of the city that they want to know why that is. I have two guests to talk about this, um, State Representative David Bowen, and he actually got the coronavirus, and he's recovering from it now. Also, Dr. Patricia McManus, she is the president and CEO of Black Health Coalition of Wisconsin, I guess over 30 years now, right? 32 this year. 32. Good for you. Uh, So both of you, thank you so much for joining me and, you know, talking about this conversation because we want to talk about how the coronavirus is affecting the African-American community. First of all, I want to start with you, David, because you got it. What happened? How did you know you had it? Where did it come from? What do you know about this? Yeah, so uh, essentially... <clears throat> I had a chance to see uh, one of my one of my colleagues that's elected in Sherwood. Saw him in a cafe, thought nothing of it. He didn't know he had the virus. And um, from my best estimation, that's when, uh, even though I was in contact with him multiple times, uh, that essentially was the time when uh, he had the virus and uh, I contracted the virus at that point. And a few days later, um, uh, literally. Uh, the symptoms uh, that were right in line with the virus. First of all, let me stop you there. How many days later? Do you remember? Um, I I guess it depends. Since I met him multiple times. Yeah, yeah. um, uh, By the time that the symptoms actually started, it it literally was only a few days after that. Okay. All right. What were those symptoms? Um, So essentially, you had a number of symptoms that came into play. Uh, from body aches and body chills, I literally uh, walked around my own home with a winter hat on because I could not get warm. Mm. Um, uh, literally, uh, uh, the coughing starts, the uh, tightness in your lungs uh, starts as well. Um, the fever 
um, at a, I think I peaked at about 103 degrees, um, uh, very much was in play. And, uh, uh, even though I was cold, I felt cold. My body was literally burning up and, uh, uh, had to endure that for more than a week. Oh my goodness. So, uh, you said more than a week, um, at this point, no symptoms. At this point, very little symptoms. Yes. Um, uh, the cough still lingers. Uh, the, the shortness of breath is not as there as it once was. Um, uh, thankfully, uh, I feel like the majority of the symptoms are behind me at this point. Wow. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you did not have those severe symptoms that would put you on a respirator. Uh, yeah, that would so leave me thank, in a hospital. Yeah, um, thank God to that. Some pre-existing conditions literally uh, strengthen the virus and allow it to attack your body even more. Okay. So you're a healthy guy. For the most part, um, I'm 33, uh, no pre-existing conditions uh, like that. Um, There are so many people in our community, though, that have asthma, that have diabetes, um, that have um, even high blood pressure that literally allows this virus to uh, strengthen and to wreak even more havoc on their body. Right. And as I hear of the deaths, the uh, people, they talk about underlying conditions uh, that they had. Uh, so you're right. You know, they're they're weakened. Their uh, immune system, whether it's the immune system or just the body, um, making them susceptible to this. Dr. Pat, we have a cluster. Yes, ma'am. Why do you think that is? Well, I mean, so that people understand a cluster and, you know, maybe just to, to say that people do understand that is when there's a certain number of people that have the disease, have whatever disease you're looking at, because there's a lot of there was a lot of discussion not too long ago about quote cluster around HIV. I think if you remember the fact that that is a group of people who all have the same uh, disease, mm-hmm. and and but there are other ones who are but they're part of a larger group. You know, they're the cluster is all those in there. How many do you count? And to have people that come together and you got that that those numbers. That's what's really makes it a cluster, especially when compared to rates of of the same disease, looking at the population involved, um, how we have it, um, it's not, it's not uh, at all, um, wasn't surprising to me if something like that would hit because uh, for where we live, for one thing, we live in Milwaukee, which is one of the most segregated cities uh, in the country. And so we're all kind of packed into, you know, hardly, you know, any space where you don't, most of us live in, on the north side. Now we got a few people in the suburbs. We had a few people, although more in the last couple of years have been moving to the south side as well, looking for better housing. But the majority of us are still pretty much on the north side. So if you look at that, then it, it, especially if there was no discussion around social distancing or isolation, whatever term you want to use, how quickly this particular virus, uh, deadly, I guess you say this virus is because it's much more contagious it uh, lingers. It you have people who have the disease, but they have no symptoms. Everybody doesn't get the symptoms right away, or some go from zero to to almost dead when they, when they figure out they got it. I mean, it's it's the complications of 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 us in terms of our living. And some of the new things that's been out the last 10, 15, maybe twenty years is looking at what they call biogenetics, and it, and bio means life, genetics means looking at genes. And there's been a lot of research done at looking at how um, how, how many things, in, in a, especially when you're looking at a cluster or you're looking at a group of Black Americans, 
uh, and, and interesting enough, it's not age, it's not uh, age related, it's not even income related. We find the research is finding that even people who do really well, they could be professionals, but they still deal with the trauma of uh, the trauma of being black in America. I guess that's the best way. Like you said, real talk. That's that's it. Being real black talk, in yeah. America. It just, that's that's what it is. But they're finding that. It, it doesn't change your gene, but they're different. They're different, uh, different molecules. There are different types of enzymes that are in the body that affect the gene. And so uh, what they're finding is, and cortisol is one that, that's been most of the work that's been done on that cause cortisol. And it's a, it's more of a, it really is more of a kind of protector around, but for us, it operates differently because of all the stress that we, that we go through living. And it doesn't, you don't know it on the outside of your body but your body is more susceptible. It does affect your immune system. It does affect many of the things in your life uh, that you don't know about uh, until you get sick or something happens. And even now, they're not really, I, I have an issue with it because they're not really looking at this data that's out there that's talking about um, how this affects. For example, we've been working a lot the last 20, 30 years on infant mortality. And they found that, and, and we, have, um, we have, we look at, there's data that's shown that, again, if you look at African-American, uh, when African in, uh, indigents come to this country, their infant mortality rates mirror whites. But after a decade, their infant mortality mirrors black. Why? Blacks. Why is that? It, it, it's back to believing the environment that, that we live in. I mean, because whether you're African-American black or you're a black person, what we live in day to day, whether what job you're on, what school you're in, you know, what job you're trying to get, how you're how you're treated on jobs. I mean, so sometimes you're looking at what happened at Coors, you know, that these kinds of things they're finding now uh, affect us. And oddly enough, there's a, a video out that we use when we try to teach the community that was done. Really, the, the, the research was done like uh, about 20 years ago, and it was done at, at UW-Madison. And they actually, so, so, so the people they used were actually white, but they showed that they're not the not the parent itself, but it transferred to their teenagers, and so their teenagers showed a lot more um, problems that they had in school. You know, behavioral problems, mental health problems, those kind of things that you see. Now, when you try to go with us, with how many decades of our kids and us have gone through this, the research is showing that where you live, when they say where you live matters, it, it is very clear. So I wasn't surprised at all that when something like this would hit. That and and I really felt that that folks who are supposed to know this that who are who are healthcare or, or excuse me who are um, public health should have mapped that out the minute they start talking about this. I mean they they waited till they got the data, but um, that that proved it. But there was a whole lot that could have been done. I said especially in, in education to the community could have been done. I think a whole lot sooner. So I'm hoping so. they're getting on it now. I think they also need to look at. Um, doing more testing. Don't wait until they have to be hospitalized to get tested because you got people walking around who have no symptoms, but they're infecting other people and who don't get the symptoms right, right away. You know, and if you're in a cohort like this, like I said, the, the data's there now. So right. there really should be much more of an aggressive response to our community to be allowed to be tested and not just still wait for them to have um, symptoms. I mean, David was blessed in that he went in when he had symptoms, but his didn't carry any, any further because he's 
relatively healthy, you know. But so, for average people, if you wait till they start having, the, it's like it spirals. You start right. having the symptoms, then everything else, your your diabetes, your hypertension, whatever else you got, autoimmune disease like I have. I have Crohn's. That's an autoimmune disease. So I have a compromised immune system. You know, so besides being 71 and that, I've got those two things. That, and I tell people, besides a family who's threatened to kill me if I leave my house, uh, you know, I'm I'm here and I you know, I'm okay. But again, many of our elderly right. are, you know, well, are, are working on their own. You know, so right. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to keep talking. That's okay. That's but okay. David will tell you. I, I know you, Doctor Pat. I understand. <laughs> and you're doing well. <laughs> so, David, now hearing her talk about this biogenetics, and you know, maybe there was some susceptibility there for you. What what do you what do you yes. think of that? And essentially, she, Dr. McManus is exactly right. When you talk about um, the amount of people in our community, um, and I, I literally have friends, literally, that it was hard for them to get testing. Um, a lot of the larger healthcare providers, um, I, I guess, were so fearful of so many people wanting tests mm -hmm. um, and uh, there not being enough testing material. Uh, that a lot of people literally uh, were experiencing symptoms and did not know exactly if they had the virus yet um, or, or couldn't even go through the process to figure out if they did. Um, so uh, the, the, I, it would be great to see that ironed out so that people in our community, especially as we see a cluster on the north side of, our, of the city, um, that people deserve to have access to the testing material uh, so they can know if they are dealing with the virus um, you know, uh, walking into this, I I thought that my symptoms were just part of the common cold. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people in our community um, don't have the information. They don't have, uh, you know, the the insight to tell them that, you know, this is actually something a little bit more serious than some of the things I normally would be experiencing at this point. Um, and and it, it kicks in very fast. Um, oh, yeah. When those Absolutely. symptoms really ramp up. Um, you, uh, there's a lot of folks in our community that might even be dealing with, uh, suffering the symptoms and, and, and dealing with it alone. Right. Right. And then, you know, the people who say I have the symptoms, I, I need the test, but can't get the test. And then they go back home where, you know, there may be a bunch of kids and, you know, your, your significant other or whatever. So that spreads to them, you know, grandma comes over that spreads to her. I, you know, you can see how a cluster would happen. My thought too is, you know, as people um, have to uh, go to work, you know, sure. they don't have the luxury of doing work at home. They've got to yeah. go and they go out, they do whatever and they come back home and mm -hmm. there it spreads again. You know, the, the chances are there as well. And I don't know how um, diligent people are with the, you know, the hand washing and the six feet and all those things. I don't, I don't know if that's making an impact. What do you think? Well, I, I think it's not going to, you need to do the, certainly you need to do social distancing, but you need to do it with a commitment to make sure you get more testing done. And uh, I mean, that's been shown if you're reading and I'm reading and watching, which I've been doing for weeks now, reading and everything and watching everything right. is that even in China, what they did and what they didn't do in Italy was what China did. They didn't do the social uh, 
uh, distancing right away. They didn't do the, the more comprehensive testing right away. And so that's when it really gets out of hand. You know, people are talking about that curve, trying to flatten the curve. And, and uh, we're not doing that just by walking, some people walking the neighborhood telling you you should wash your hands, you know. And I don't know, since they called it hygiene, I've heard that. So I've gotten some calls from some people like, you know, with us, hey, what do you mean? You're trying to say we dirty or something? You know what I mean? Talk about washing your hands. That's what you're talking about with that. Talk about the distancing, right. you know, to make sure that people understand and not be offended by you coming in. So I'm going to talk to you about hygiene. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm hoping they clean that one up because when I heard about it, I was like, oh, that's not going to go over real well if you don't talk to people about that. One of the things, like they said, that's been said that I haven't heard uh, a lot talked about is this, uh, like drinking, like you're drinking water. Apparently, mm -hmm. the when, you know, it comes through the nose and it comes through your mouth. That's primarily, obviously, where it goes into the system. But so it goes to your GI tract. And the more water you drink, the more you like to flush it through your GI tract and maybe not have it settle in. Um, I, have heard, I have heard that. He's heard that, yeah. And so yeah. getting people to drink more water, you know, drink more water, stay more, you know, more, you know, instead of getting drier. And once you get the temperature of under three, you're pretty dry. It's right. even hard to drink the water then. But by that time, you're probably already infected. So it won't do as much. And this is why this, this prevention, this up at the front end, especially when you know you've got so many people i mean it's called social networks but you have like if you look at our community now you got those with the virus i'm going to stop you right there hold okay. that thought we're going to take okay. a quick bright break okay. we'll be right back we'll talk about the networking and and okay. much more so stay with us okay. you're listening to the 411 live real people real talk the 411 live your link to information and now here's your food for thought who's ever wanted to be a pimp the sad truth is Pimp is not all money and glamour, there's a cost. The cost of young men and women you steal from their homes, the screaming children you take from their mothers, selling them off to go make money just so you can spend, have you no shame. They are people, people you are forcing to do as you tell them, where to go and who to lay with. As you sit and count your money, it's so sweet to you. The thought never crosses your mind, what if that was my child, my son, my daughter. You don't stop and think about them to you. They're a product, waiting to be bought and rented. You care little for them. You risk prison, risk death. Because of what? Money? You'd be killed for money. Shame, you would go to prison. Give your life away for money, not me. I'd rather give it for my family, protecting my kids from you. Who wants to be a pimp? Knowing all you must give up for money, would you still say yes? For more information, visit the411live.org. Parents, it's time we opened our eyes to a huge issue happening right in front of our faces here in Milwaukee. That issue is sex trafficking. We might think this would never happen to us or even our friends and family, but it's actually closer than you think. Traffickers are targeting our youth and finding people who seem vulnerable. They do this just to take the innocence they have away from them. Sex trafficking is a non-stop growing issue in Milwaukee, and that's why we need to come together and get educated about sex trafficking. Let's keep our family, friends, and youth safe in Milwaukee and open our eyes to the signs of sex trafficking. For more information, visit the411live.org. Welcome back to the 411 Live, Real People, Real Talk. We are talking about how the coronavirus is affecting the African-American community. Joining me, of course, Dr. Pat Patricia, I want to say Pat, Dr. Patricia McManus, <laughs> and she is the CEO and president of the Black Health Coalition of Wisconsin and State Representative David Bowen, who unfortunately got the coronavirus but who, fortunately, is recovering very well. So, uh, again, thank you to you. 
Dr. McManus, when we uh, stopped, you were talking about the whole social distancing and, and networks, and, and you were about to talk about our, how we do with our networks. Well, our, well, our, our, well, for Black people especially, our social networks are everything. You know, they're tied to our, uh, who we are. They're a family. They're all types of things. And they're found from others. We've been working, our organization's been working the last 10, 15 years to try and reduce HIV in our community. And they have the same kind of thing in terms of discussing social networks versus clusters. And sometimes people get those mixed up. But if you're talking about a cluster, everybody in the cluster has disease. So whereas the social network, you have a combination of people with the disease and also people who they interface with. And that's what they did, did in terms of let's see who you talk to or let's see who you spend time with. Very similar to what we're looking at now. And so, so we have the opportunity because I mean, it's kind of weird to say it, but because we're so segregated in a cluster, you know, in a cluster, but in a uh, location on the north side, the mm-hmm. majority of black people in Milwaukee are in a certain certain zip code, certain areas. There should be a much a, a much more intensive um, a, a program that I'm hearing that they're not doing, but intensive program of getting to people and saying, look, this is the reason that you need to do the things we're talking about. They do that social distancing. We know it sounds funny because we're so used to hugging people and shaking hands. And that's what we like, but what we like to do. Right. Uh, but, but folks that I'm just working on, they just tell us what we should do. You know, we want to do this. We want to, we were concerned about our kids, what's happening. And so it needs to be approached that way rather than coming in and doing what I, to me, the state, the state needs to provide more resources in the North, in the North side of Milwaukee. Is, is what I'm saying. They, you know, if we got 50 percent right. of the of the of the known of the known cases, you know, if we got then that social network says that you got another 20 or 30 percent sitting out there that you haven't dealt with yet. Put some money, some real money in and also work with the community, the black community, not just the health department, not just the hospitals. Right. They need to to work with the community and give people funds to do that same thing and know how to do it well and know how to talk to people. Excellent. And David, I know that they started this public awareness campaign launched um, on the, I guess, Thursday, targeting African-Americans. Are you a part of that campaign? Did they target Um, you? I've heard about it. I'm not a formally uh, a part of that campaign. Um, But I I think Dr. McManus is exactly right. As you, you talk about the differences in black households and throughout the city, um, we have more generational households of people living together. We have more people working in industries where they're not working from home. They have to go out and interact with people right. and they're coming back home. Um, these are stark differences and there absolutely needs to be way more resources on the ground uh, to make sure that the education is flowing out there. Um, the, uh, the, the, the access to medical care um, that people actually have that. And we know that there's been a disparity there as well. So, um, from that dif- disadvantage, it definitely is wreaking um, the, the havoc and, and the disparities are continuing to grow. And you talk about the snowball effect. You think about, you know, them having to go out to work, uh, you know, day to day and come back. There goes the stress level, too. And you mm-hmm. talk about being susceptible oh, oh. because you're, you're stressed. Well, that okay, contributes, so you know, it's just yeah, a snowball effect. Yes, yeah. yes. I mean, so even talking about. So we, we, you know, we're at risk in the first place and it gets worse and worse and yeah. worse with something like this. And that's why 
I feel that we need to do more than just what the average, uh, you know, health, public health state or city is saying they're doing or county because of the, the nuances of this, you know, and, and this this particular, even though they've got a fast, they've got, I understand they got something now where they can check for antibodies and figure out that, you know, they got, they can check it right away to see that you have the disease that's still wait until you get symptoms. This community can't wait till you get symptoms. Right. They might be able to do with other ones who are probably more healthy in the first place. They have more resources in the first place. They can get in more first place. Putting us in that same venue is killing us. And it's going to kill us. It's going to continue to kill us. And I'm not being melodramatic. I'm being real about what I know and just from watching and watching what other folks are doing. What we're not doing is what a lot of other countries didn't do. And when we've got these signals uh, where 50% of your uh, cases that you have already, and even if it's only, if even somebody says, well, they, they tested a thousand people and um, it's only a couple of hundred. Uh, do you want to be part of that couple of hundred? No. I don't think so. No, <laughs> right? not at all. So that, so, yeah, so that argument is just not good enough. If you really care about this community, then you, you tailor your strategy based on the community, not you may start with an overall CDC or World Health approach, but then you got to adjust it to the community that you have. Right. And, and exactly. And those, for those reasons, like I said, people who got to work, they got to work, they got to go back and forth. They got to do the things they have to do. They, they, I mean, the, the Davidson app that I know absolutely much more to be intergenerational. So yeah. you got the babies and you got the school age kids. You probably have college kids there because they're going to college. They can't afford a, a dorm. You got the elderly all in the same place. Because the kids you know, so, can't go to school. So they're right there. They're, they're all there. They're all I there. Mean, ab- absolutely. And who knows what happened even before they decided to try to do this social, um, you know, distancing and, and isolation and, and having people who trust people tell them, look, you got to do this, right? Just having somebody walk up to you and, hey, can I talk to you about this? Uh, it, it matters. Right. The messenger matters when you give messages like this. Well, I know with the campaign, I think they're Homer Blow, and I've heard a few other names um, that they were mm-hmm. using in the campaign, try, trying to do, I guess, just that. Um, the other thing that keeps coming up, because we talk about folks who have to go out, who have to work because, you know, they need to put food on the table, Um virus in the workplace. I mean, can employees be empowered to say, hey, you know, you need to give me some more hand sanitizer, you know, something to keep mm-hmm. them safe? Absolutely. You know? go ahead, David, go ahead. Yeah, I, I was going to say, absolutely. Uh, we, we know that uh, there are protective measures that can be in place to allow people to still do their jobs, um, but to do it safely. Mm-hmm. And especially as you talk about people that have to interact with the public, um, you know, they need to be able to have the instructions from their employers uh, that are allowing them to be able to do that work safely and, and not risk bringing that virus back home, not risk bringing the livelihoods, um, the well-being of their family members at risk because they are they're just trying to provide for their families as much as possible. And, uh, and and trying to do that safely. So we definitely uh, need to encourage folks as much as possible to uh, advocate for themselves for the protective gear, the gloves, the um, even in some cases, um, if you need a mask or if you need 
the chance to be able to do your job at a distance from other from other people. Those measures should be in place. And I don't know how well uh, employers are uh, sharing that information or leading in knowing how to go about instructing employees to do that so they can still do their jobs. Some of the essential services that we now have that are operating and, and to be able to do that safely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and if you and the thing too is that employers have to deal with. Uh, I mean, even if you look at even the healthcare system itself, when you got people talking about a mask that they that they should change every day, a mask they should change. I used to run counties holding to care department, so I know this kind of stuff. What you do, you got really sick people. You change a mask every time you go to see another patient. They're using the same mask for all the patients, and they know that this just you can see it on their faces when they talk about it on TV. It's, it's not even so much that they're worried about themselves, which they should be, but they know that this violates even the people they're taking care of. Can I take the best care of this person when I'm not doing what I need to do to make sure that person is not getting sicker or, you know, I'm going to make them sick or I get sick and then I make somebody else sick, you know, that they're, so they're violating these things that, that just, and that's stress again, right? That's yes, trauma. That's right back to what, what I talked about earlier. And that stuff just, your cortisol is, is going wild. And it really then impacts your ability to be healthy yourself. And the next thing, you're more susceptible. Mm-hmm. The susceptibility is really a factor. Yeah. And God bless the healthcare workers, the first yes. responders. I mean, they're on the front line and we really appreciate them. You so folks in the delivery industry. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. Making those those deliveries and drop-offs right now are very essential. Mm-hmm. Right. Because folks don't want to go to the grocery store, so they're calling. You know, will you help me? Yeah. Well, plus, I mean, and be real, too, in our community, uh, you don't want to be out there. You know, I hate to say it, but the police kind of shoot first and ask questions later. Or if you say something, look, I got to go. And folks are kind of I've heard people, people have talked about that. They're, they, that's mm-hmm. another part that raises your stress and everything else is what yeah. happens when I find out at 11 o'clock at night that I really got to get something that I, that I didn't really realize I have. And they try to go somewhere and go to the store because they've already made it clear we going to stop you. I mean, it's just been open that, you know, basically they could just do whatever they want. We have that all our lives. Now yeah. it's on steroids because they could just say that. And then so even even folks who could be reasonable in most places, when, when they get that hyped up or deciding what they want to do, our community is worried about not getting this disease. They don't want their kids to get the disease. So that's going to make them even, you know, more stressed. And when you're more stressed, you tend to do things that you wouldn't do normally. It's important that folks who are interfacing with our community understand that and not do what's normally done is to ignore and just thinking that we're just hyped up people, you know, or they, oh, I'll just, they probably got a gun. They're probably going to do something. I'm saying this because, and I think it needs to be said because we live, this is the reality of the environment we live in. Exactly. Is that, <laughs> so we got to make sure those folks who are doing this, whether they're, you know, even if they're the EMTs that are coming to the house or, you know, a lot of them probably won't even come unless they got a police escort or the police are coming, what they're doing. That's the that's day-to-day reality of our communities. And they need to know that too when they're coming in or when they're saying, that's why I'm saying that the, uh, the messenger matters. Homer Blow is probably one of the best messages mm-hmm. we could have. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's other people that can do that and we need more than one, right? you know, to yeah. do it. And, and so th- those are the kind of things that are just extremely important for our people to know. And what can and for the folks who are in charge to know? 
Right. Mm. And, you know, on a, on the personal level, what can we do to help in all of this? Well, you're, again, those, those networks talk to everybody, you know, you know, everybody in your family, That's everybody in your profession, in your profession, you know, if you, whatever church you go to, if you go to church, talk to your pastor, because then again, message, you know, the messenger matters, yeah. you know, that, that have them talk, kind of get that out in, in a broad way as much as possible by people who they trust. That's going to be the most, most thing to say, you know, that if you say it and they believe you, then they're, they're much more of a chance of them just not pushing it off, especially the younger folks, you know, the millennials and the ones younger than that. They're yeah. like, oh, Lord, here they go again. But but they listen that, you know, they'll trust you because they know you care. For our community, caring goes above everything else. If they don't think you care, there's nothing you can do. And people were just doing a job. Doesn't mean they won't care, but some of them are just, some of them are just doing a job. Mm-hmm. At this point, I would think that most people take this seriously. Am I wrong? I think you're still a little bit wrong because yeah. there's a lot of misinformation out there. Yeah. Yeah. When you ask about what people can do, stop spreading misinformation. Um, there are a, lo- a number of people that are believing conspiracy theories or uh, that black folks can't get the virus or. Um, oh, know, I hadn't some- heard that one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah that's out there. Yeah, there's been some messaging. There were some folks that, um, you know, they, they felt like there were like proof that uh, the, the virus was made up and that it was, you know, all this ploy. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, at the same time, people are literally uh, being admitted to hospitals, mm-hmm. being admitted to treatment, and some of them are losing their lives. And, um, you know, it's not just, uh, uh, especially with the misinformation that it, the virus is just worse on older individuals. We're seeing um, young people all over the country. Well, you're proof uh, of that. Fighting for their lives. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Uh, exactly. but, and, and they're fighting for their lives and with medical um, ventilators. And, you know, mm-hmm. they're 26, 31 years old. And some of them are dying. Some of them are losing their lives. So it, it's not something that. Um, that should be taken lightly. I, I think, you know, unfortunately, our president did not help with that, right? Because he he thought it was a mm. hoax and he thought it was a ploy to politically have him attacked. And that wasn't the case. The seriousness of the virus um, just started off with... You know, so- you're, be- you're being nice, David, because Trump... <laughs> I think I am. Yeah, you're being nice. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that was political. It was. That was political for him to do that. And he'll do it on anything. The man has no scruples, especially common sense. But I mean, just stuff mm-hmm. like that. He he did that because he didn't want to have to deal. You know, like I said, it's political. He was a dead mm-hmm. well, as much as he could say. And I think he was hoping that it would turn out not to be a big thing. And then he could say, well, see, because he's almost trying to still say that now. You know? Well, at this point, and that's what's scary. That's that what's and, scary. and that really fueled a lot of the misinformation. Yes, it did. Yes, have to come to the top, right. and right. Um, so many individuals in our community literally were questioning: Is this thing even real? Can it affect me? I, I know, for for instance, me being young, I'm like, well, I'm just, I'm young, I'm okay. <laughs> and literally, you don't know that this this virus can attack your body for up to right. two weeks. And, you know, you are going to go through it. You literally are going to go through it. And not that many people are, are understanding that until it actually happens. And it's like, no, that's right. 
All right. This is happening and so many families on the north side of the city now are, are dealing with it. Absolutely. Well, I hope your two faces will be an impact for the African-American community to listen and take it very seriously. And um, once as soon as they can get these tests, you know, take advantage of that as well. And our time is gone. So thank you very much. Thank you. State Representative David Bowen and, of course, Dr. Patricia McManus, CEO, President of Black Health uh, Coalition of Wisconsin. Thank you very much for your insight and your conversation. And it's always great talking to you. Thank you for having us. You are so welcome. And thank you for watching another episode of the 411 Live, Real People, Real Talk. Again, we normally... uh, focus on sex trafficking. We've pulled back from that a little bit to talk about coronavirus because it's so important and uh, affecting so many people. And we will do that um, a few more times, you know, take on different topics. And we have gotten suggestions from some of you, and we will definitely look into that. And if you have other suggested topics, please send them our way. Go to our website, the411live.org. Also on the website, if you would be so inclined to want to donate and help us, we are a nonprofit organization. Feel free to do that as well. You can check us out on just about any uh, podcast platform that you can think of, and, and that includes YouTube. And you, of course, we're on Twitter and Facebook and all the other um, platforms. So check us out. Thank you for joining us. Again, this is the 411 Live. Real people, real talk. We'll see you next time.